afternoon. Welcome to the Fish Podcast. My name is Corey Long. I am your host. I do college football and college evaluations for WalterFootball.com. Joined, as always, by the head evaluator at the table, Charles Fishbein. How are you doing, Fish? I'm doing great. This this is going to be a little bit of a long segment, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be. You're going to bring a lunch for this one, <laughs> what I'm going to say. And also joined by our favorite, everybody's friend, Coach Christopher Demarest, former coach at NC State and Florida State and Rutgers and Hawaii. How are you doing, Coach? Coach Demo's doing good, Corey. Thanks. Excellent, excellent. We're going we're gonna to get – we're going to come right out of the box today. Florida State had a massive recruiting weekend. They close out the month of June with five, count them, five commits. And we got news for you on all five of them. We're going to get started. First commit that I had on the list, um, defensive lineman Bishop Thomas. He's a he's going he goes to um, he's going to be going to Orlando Bishop Moore School this year. He's from Louisiana. I think he went to St. Augustine up in New Orleans uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, six two looked like it was about six one six two over two hundred eighty pounds. Um, from what I saw, he looked like a nose guard. I think he's going to end up being a big body in the middle, maybe you put him in some one technique. Um, you know, overall, you guys have had a chance to look at this film. What y'all think of Bishop Thomas? Well, I'll tell you, I watched him, and you can tell a lot by what number the guy wears. He's number 13. So he, he, he still thinks he's an H-back or, or, or catches the ball because he does do that. Uh, but he's an inside guy, Corey. He does run a little bit of the edge. He's fast twitch. He pursues from the backside extremely well. He does play H-back on offense. You know, he motions, he pulls, he blocks. Um, but he has nice balance, and he has a decent set of hands, although I don't think that's what he's going to be used at, but he wears 13 for a reason. Uh, but I think he's going to be a heck of an inside defense alignment, and I think Florida State uh, got himself a pretty good one. Well, I mean, Robert Cooper's probably going to be gone after this year, so I think this is a kid that's going to probably take his position. I agree he's a nose guard, um, interior, going to play over center. And um, – you know, athletically, you got to like what you see. He does have the ability to close quickly. He's got twitch. He's not a slow plotting guy. He'll be able to give you a pass rush from the inside. He uses his hands well. He stays low. Everything technique-wise, he does everything really well. Um, you know, he's probably close to maxed out. So what you see now is what you get. You're going to get a very good player that could come in, probably contribute right away. But he's, you know – he's a guy that you got to like what you see on film. They do. We've talked about this over and over. You don't want these guys that just play one position. He plays multiple positions. Like Demo said, you'll see him offense. I think you see him running a fade route and catching a touchdown in the end zone. He's got good hands. He's an athlete. And um, the one thing you can say is uh, about Florida state and, and these type of kids, Odell Higgins, you got to give them a lot of credit. He, he does a very good job of evaluating under-the-radar players like this, uh, whether it's you've got Latroy Gwynn or Andre Fluell. And this kid, if he fits into that type of mold of what he's had, Florida State's going to get a very good football player. Agreed. Agreed. And, and what I said earlier is that recruiting is becoming a lot more clearer now for these high school athletes. They might have visions of grandeur over here, but maybe it's full up and it's over here. So I better make this decision here now before I lose this one. So a lot of 
things are being cleared up for these athletes and the coaches as this recruiting process starts to come to uh, a lot of commitments now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's really where FSU was able to have so much success this weekend is that, you know, a lot of these kids that they brought in were, you know, players that have been on their board, at the top of their board for a while. And I think they realized that this is where they were most wanted. Um, the second player on this list is a big guard out of Georgia, Kananya Charlton. Um, I, it looks like he's listed around 6'4", and he's 6'5". His weight could be anywhere from 345 to about 360. Um, Charlton's an interesting case. He had a very good sophomore year, got a ton of big offers. I mean, got pretty much all the big offers that were out there. I don't think he was in shape last year. And I think that a lot of schools cooled on him. So if you get a player that's in shape, I think you've got a pretty good interior lineman. I'm always a little worried about players that, you know, when they, when, when, when they have a little bit of success tend to, you know, the, the, the discipline wasn't there with him, which is why, you know, which is why a lot of schools cooled on him. Um, but I, you know, I, he's a, he's a big kid. And I mean, you know, you put, he puts his paws on you. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna knock you over. So you gotta like that. Um, you know, as long as they can keep him, as long as they can keep him, you know, the, as long as they can keep him in shape and they can keep him, you know, hungry and, and, and you know, and, and wanting to play. I think you've got a player, but I do think there's a question mark there. You know, the thing about him is that for a big guy, he can bend. Okay, and he moves his feet well. He plays a lot of tackle, but he's probably a guard. But there's one thing I like about him. All his film is from offensive line. He doesn't think he's anything else but an offensive line. Now, they'll move him inside, get him in shape a little bit, like you said, Corey, and maybe play offensive guard for Florida State. But one thing this young man knows, he's an offensive line. You know, when we've talked about this, and I'm of the belief you throw a big net and you bring in a lot of guys. They have a problem on the offensive line, and you can tell just from this week alone – they're trying to solve that problem really quickly. And, and the way they're going to do that is you bring in guys that have the talent and the ability, and this kid has the talent and ability, and that are going to want to compete. And not every one of these guys is going to make it. He Maybe he's you know got a little out of shape or whatever, but they're bringing in so much talent on the offensive line this year that he's going to have to compete for one of those jobs. So you're going to find out quickly if he gets back to that sophomore level or he, he just falls by the wayside. But – they have such a need to get bigger, and this guy gives them another big body, especially inside. Uh, they need guys that not only can move guys, but can get in the way of someone. I, the last couple of years, guys have just run by the FSU interior linemen like they're standing still. Nobody's going to run just by this guy. You're going to have to have to work to get around him because of how big and wide he is. So I don't have a problem with the take. Um, we're going to talk about some of the other offensive linemen they took as well. But, uh, like, I agree with Demo. He's going to definitely be an interior guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I agree with you in the sense that, yeah, you do have to cast a wide net, especially when, you, when the O-line situation is where Florida State's been. And, and credit to their offensive line coach, Alex Atkins, who I think is one of the best coaches, best coaches in the game right now. He's proving it out on the recruiting trail. Uh, the second player they got from Georgia is one that I'm high on. Uh, Quayshon Sapp, I look at him, I, I see the length, I see, you know, 
good frame, good body. I think he's the right tackle of the future for this team. I really do. I'd be surprised. This is one of those kids that I feel like I look at him, I think he's going to work out. He's going to give them a lot of quality starting snaps in the very in the near future. Yeah, Corey, you're correct. He's an offensive tackle, probably a right one. Uh, I thought he had good feet. He moves well, especially to the next level. He knows how to get the first level block and get up to the next level where the linebackers are. He's a finisher. And one thing's neat about him, he, I think he can play any position on the O-line, though. I mean, I think he can, he's very versatile. I think he can go center guard or tackle, although I think he's going to end up being a tackle. Uh, but he's a finisher, and he moves very well. And, you know, I, I, I really believe that he's, he's, he's a good get for them because, they, like you guys have been talking about, they need people up front to improve their line. And I think this kid knows he's an offensive lineman. Like, there's no bones about it. He knows it. He's not going to try and say, let me play defense first or something like that. He knows he's an offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, outside of Alu Ba, who they brought in earlier, they needed to get bigger and they needed to get stronger. And this kid's just a man among – like, I, I liked what I saw out of their camp. He was at uh, their elite camp, elite camp uh, earlier in June. I thought he was a big guy. He moves well. He, and he's only going to get better. I mean, these are the type of guys – this is what you want to recruit. You're talking an NFL body and potential there. Uh, I think Atkins got on this kid early and he got a kid that I think if he had gone into his senior year and continue to develop, like we think he's one of those guys, I think the bigger programs will come after even they're going to, they're going to have to fight to keep uh, schools off this kid because of the potential and upside of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I looked at him and I, I looked at him and I said, wow, you know, this is a heck of a get. This is, for a team that struggled at getting offensive linemen, this is a really quality prospect. And again, credit again to Coach Atkins, who has shown that he has the tools on the recruiting trail to make things happen. Because if you look at where the Florida State offensive line's been over the last three, four years, it's a it's a it's a wonder that anybody would want to go there and play offensive line. But I think, you know, he is he's brought in a new message, and but, but he's also thrown a big net. You know, you don't, you don't see him going after, Hey, we, the one thing about the offensive line, you, I I believe if you want a player at a position, you have to recruit at least two to three at that position to get one offensive line, you need five. So that means you got to recruit more than if Demo's recruiting a corner and he wants one or two. Yeah. You're going to recruit five. All right. Offensive line, you can't recruit five to land five. And that's what's happened with them is they've recruited a small number thinking, oh, well, then they don't hit on anybody and then they have nobody to back them up. He's done a very good job to cast a wide net and said, listen, maybe this kid's 30 spots lower than somebody else. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about O-line, is there really that much of a difference in rankings of a guy that's ranked 250 or 280 in the country? Come on. I mean, really. And that's the thing is, is you just have to not – you got to be careful recruiting that position or you end up in the position they're in right now. And I think landing these guys, they're going to improve that old line real quick. You'll see a big difference, not only this year, but within the next year or two. I think you made a great point fish is that now it becomes about coaching. You're getting the kids. Now you have to develop them to what you want to do as an offensive lineman and your offensive line coach has to be a great one. And if mm-hmm. he is, these kids are good gets. Yeah. It's all about, having depth, having quality depth, having a second team that you can rely on, which is something FSU has not had in a while. You know, they've been able to piece together what I would think were serviceable first teams 
But guys get hurt so much on the offensive line and get banged up. And you could see how drastic the drop was between, you know, a far, between their first team or who was, you know, might be mediocre at best, but the guy backing him up was like, oh, my God, he's going to get this quarterback killed. So I think in general, you just got to raise the floor. And all these guys do that at worst. They all raise the floor of what you can put there out there on the field. Um, the next one we're jumping into, we're on the defensive side of the ball. Trevion Williams uh, from Crystal Springs, Mississippi. First clip I saw of him was in, was in basically kind of playing, like, you know, play, maybe he was playing a little bit of middle linebacker, actually, peeling back in space, grabbing an interception. Next play, they had him lined up at three technique. He, uh, he went and penetrated through the backfield in the interior. I love this guy. I love guys that can just do stuff like this. He showed me right away he's athletic enough to move back in a little bit of space and do something on the next play. Show me he's one to fight through interior blocking to get to the backfield. So I'm a big fan right away of Trevion Williams. Yes, I, I have to be honest. I didn't watch a ton of film on him, but Corey, you're exactly right. He's very athletic. He's, he is all over the place. And if you watch what Florida State's doing, if you watch what they're doing, I know it's going to make some Florida people unhappy. And because you want them to have more Florida kids, I hopefully they'll get there. But they're tapping on the Alabamas, the Orlando slash Louisianas, the Georgias, the Mississippis, all those states that border the panhandle. So they're not going all the way out west. They're staying right in the vicinity. And if they're not nailing the Florida kids, they're nailing the kids awfully close that are right in their backyard. So I think they're doing it right. Listen, I'm biased towards Florida, and I don't think there's a bigger proponent outside of me and Demo when it comes to, to Florida players. But I saw Travion Williams at their camp, and he the, the, the word grown-ass man is thrown around <laughs> a lot on the internet. This is a grown-ass man. I mean, Travion does not look like he's in high school. I don't know what they're feeding him in Mississippi. I don't know how many crawdads he eats, but this kid is a big, big guy. And, I mean, he reminds me of a bigger version of Broderick Bunkley, a kid that just physically looked like a grown man when he came out of high school. And I think Travion, I, uh, I, he may be the best player in their class outside of Travis Hunter and Sam McCall. I, you could argue that he may be the best player that comes out of this class as far as draft prospects because he has the potential to play on Sundays. He's big. He's physical. What impressed me at their camp is how well he used his hands, and his hands were violent. When he Correct. put his hands on somebody, they moved. It didn't matter. Just the power of him going by somebody moved them. I mean, and I think once Odell gets a hold of this kid, and I think he's going to end up inside. I know a lot of people say D-end, but just from his base, you look at his base and his legs and his backside, this is a kid that's going to be pushing 290, 295 pounds, and he's strong as an ox. He's not going to be able to get moved off the ball. He's going to push guys backwards. And I really think this is a guy that can make an impact day one at Florida State. There's no doubt, Fish. The, the young men underestimate the importance of hands on the defensive side of the ball. And if they got them, they're extra special. I had the opportunity uh, yesterday to be around Christian Peter, who was number 55 uh, for Nebraska back in the great days when uh, Coach Osborne was there. And we were talking about it. He played D-line in the NFL as well. He was telling me how important the hands of a defense lineman or any defensive player are. So you're right, Fish. Hands are extremely important. Yeah. You know, we talked about projections. Fish said Bunkley. I think I earlier 
said like he's a taller version of a Nile Lawrence sample. When I look at where I think he's going to project out, he kind of, I think he's going to end up being similar, a guy you're familiar with, uh, Demo, Travis Johnson. That's the kind of body frame I think he's going to have. And I think, you know, Travis was at times a dominating player on the interior. And I think Travion has the potential to end up being that sort of a player. Yeah, Robert Bunkley, excuse me, I was very familiar with. I was recruiting him when I was at NC State and he ended up going to Florida State. But I had a couple of the kids from his high school that played for me up at up at uh, NC State. So I know uh, Robert very well and, he had, and obviously had a great career at Florida State. Yeah, Demo was hitting that Chamberlain High School group again, I tell you. Love Chamberlain. Demo, hey, Demo may say 305, but he got some 813 in him too. So I got some, I, just, I love all Florida, man. But I, but you know, when I was in the Tampa area, I spent a lot of time in Chamberlain, Jefferson, uh, Hillsborough. Those I was even in Armwood. So and when, when I was in, uh, no, you've been story. banned, you've been banned from Armwood. Forget yeah, you. I flipped the kid from Miami to NC State. They still yeah. can't believe it. And yeah. this is like I grabbed Elijah Dukes. People don't realize this. Elijah <laughs> Dukes, he signed with NC State. I made him a lot more money playing in baseball, but Elijah was a great football player. But anyway, uh, I spent a lot of time. And the saying in, 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 at Jefferson High School used to be, we're going to bring the hood to the wood when they used to play Armwood. Yeah, That's a true story. <laughs> kids out of Chamberlain, Jefferson, and Hillsborough, you're getting some, you're getting some I got tough, them. Neighborhood, tough neighborhood prospects there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Going, moving on, final player in this big group of five was one who came through uh, came through Monday, actually. Came through Monday evening. Uh, two-way lineman, Antavius Woody out of Lafayette, Alabama. I think he's going to end up being on the offensive line. Originally, I thought he was going to be on the defensive line. Then I saw his film again. And I was, I saw, and Fish, you could tell him about this little pulling technique. And I'm like, oh, okay. This yeah. kid's an offensive lineman. Yeah, there's a play around four minutes and 50 seconds on his highlight clip. And it, I don't care that he didn't even hit anyone. I mean, this kid's running down the field, like 40, 50 yards. So you see his athletic ability. This kid, I, I mean, listen, I don't, I love everything about this kid. Outs, the only thing he needs to work on is his technique. His technique, nothing, everything he does is wrong with his technique. He bends over, he lunges, he lets guys cross his face, but I think offensive line coaches rather have a guy that does everything wrong now because they don't have to break them down and teach them. They're not teaching. All they're doing is teaching them the right way. They don't have to uh, guys that are already developed and fully developed. You can't coach them. They know everything. This kid, they're going to already have where he wants this kid and watch the development of this kid over some of the other guys that are coming in. I guarantee you, you'll see a bigger jump with this kid in year one than any of the other guys they sign. And his upside is NFL. This is an NFL offensive tackle all the way. He's listed at 6'3", but you could see, I haven't seen him in person. His arms come down to his ankles. He's got length. He's athletic. He can run. He's got a mean streak. You see him put guys on the ground. But once he learns that technique, and that's all coaching, that's coaching, all right? Once this kid gets coached up, you're looking at potential, not only all-conference, but this could be an All-American at Florida State. See, Fish, what it's called is breaking bad habits. So if a kid gets coached a certain way and he has a bad habit, it's awfully hard to break. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a kid that you can put your good habits on right from the beginning. And where is he from? Again, he's from that Alabama area around the, around the panhandle. But see, one thing he does, he plays offensive line like a defensive lineman. 
That's what he does. That's why I believe he's an offensive lineman if he wants to make a lot of money. Because he can play D-line. He could come off the edge or go inside and all that good stuff. But what you see with him, he plays special teams. He's on the punt team. He's on the kickoff return team. He's on the kickoff coverage team. That dude's running all over the place. Okay? Even when he's on when he's playing the edge, they try to triple team him. He breaks through and makes the tackle. He pursues to the ball. But one thing he does, like I said, is he play offensive line like he's a defensive lineman. That's why I think eventually he'll migrate to that offensive line and make a lot of money and have a lot of success. Corey, who says we can't pipe these kids up for Florida State? You know, we get a bad rap, but come on, man. Yeah, I think we get a horrible rap. But hey, you know, <laughs> play, we're not going to sit around and say you can't play. We don't, we don't care it. where you go. You either can play or you can't. If you That's can't it. play, we're going to say it the way it is. We don't sugarcoat it, Brian Corey. That's it. Yeah, whoever whoever may be out there, listen, go coach for about 30 years, then make some of these comments. Yeah, it's hard to do. And we don't chew them up. We just spit the truth. That's it. you have anything to say, Corey, about BC? you have anything to say about <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> I don't know. No, nothing at all. Leave that one alone. Uh, leave that yeah. one alone all together. Leave that one alone together. Um, but overall um, – I, you know, we look at what Florida State did this June. They were they they brought in a lot of kids. I mean, they brought in. They probably had seventy five percent of the top kids in the nation come through on some form of a visit or be part of some sort of a camp. And it wasn't necessarily necessarily that they landed those high end kids, but they end up. They they I felt like they needed something to to come out of June with. And I thought they did a pretty good job at getting kids that I think, you know, raise the talent level of what they have, especially along the offensive line. You know, they had to do something in June, and I thought they did something. And, we're, you know, somebody – not everybody agrees with that, but overall I thought, I thought they did what they had to do. They had to get some players. They come out of this with 14 commits. They are currently have a top five class, and I think all the recruiting rankings. That's not going to stick. We know that. But I think it's you, you. It was where they needed to be coming off of a three. Come off of really, you know, a lot of you know three consecutive losing seasons. Yeah, you know, I, I think when it comes to recruiting, the fans get so caught up in the wide receivers and the running backs and the core, all the skill positions. They went to big man. You you talked about it with Brett Belima. They went to the big man route. Like this class is not going to be that flash. And, you know, it's not going to be the fancy rims. It's going to be the meat and potatoes. If they're going to have success over the next two or three years and win, it's going to be these linemen that they're signing. That's how you're going to tell how good of a class this is, is the success of the O-line and D-line they sign in this class. Because I don't care if they sign Travis Hunter or Sam McCall or A.J. Duffy. If they can't block and they can't get after guys on the defensive line, they're not winning ball games. I don't care who else they sign. That's why they haven't had success. And yeah, the fans get all crazy about that five-star corner. And listen, Travis Hunter is great, but Travis Hunter ain't blocking anybody. And if the quarterback doesn't get blocked and he's playing receiver, he's not getting the ball. So this class isn't going to, you know, wow you from the skill position point, but where it matters most up front on the O-line and D-line, I think right now you got to say they've hit a home run. Yeah, if you have a weakness and you need to upgrade and they're available, you need to get them. You need to get them now because 
unfortunately, the state of Florida and, and, and the surrounding states are going to have a thousand skilled kids every year. I'm just saying, I, I, I saw it with my own eyes. But great defense and offense alignment are rare in any state. So if you have a chance to grab them, to upgrade what you have already, you do it. And I think that's the route that they took. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> now, we said not everybody was a fan. And there were a few, uh, there were a few uh, let's say, some, uh, some drones sent from uh, Coral Gables out there. Might have been aimed at Tallahassee. Might not have been aimed at Tallahassee, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna discuss that right now because Fish, you were at the Paradise Camp, and you know later we're gonna talk about what you saw at the Paradise Camp. But Manny Diaz closed his uh, press conference coming out of the camp with an interesting quote when he talked about their low commitment list. And right now, I think Miami has me four commitments, and uh, he said, "quote We are not a high pressure outfit." There is a lot of schools that kind of press kids to commit and get some fake momentum because of that. And that is fine in the recruiting bake-off of June because it's not signing day. We want to be authentic in our relationships. And if a kid picks Miami, we want it to be for the right reasons. I feel good about where we're at. Now, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to say, to, to let you know where that, who that's aimed at. I say this, Miami can afford to be picky where they are. They won 10 games last year. They're looking to compete with Clemson for the ACC title. They're looking to try to get into a playoff situation. Florida State was three and six last year. They need June momentum. They need any sort of, any sort of momentum they can get. They needed, and, a, they needed David Copperfield, and that's what they got. They needed all of the illusions they have. Every yeah. trick up the book, whatever smack you could talk, whatever you needed to do, you got to do it, and it's worked. So yeah. you can't argue with it. No, and some schools, I mean, Rutgers has also been a, you know, they've gotten a lot of commits in the spring, but they, they were the worst program in the Big Ten. They needed that. They needed to get kids that they've been working on for 15, 18 months to commit early to kind of give the program and give those coaches the credibility that they need. And I know Timo agrees with that. I'm going to hear what you have to say, Coach. No, well, well, I'm going to talk about Florida because when I was at Florida State, some of the best games I ever was around was Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Why? Because those kids played against each other in high school. And it was electrifying, man. When you stepped on the field to play Florida or Miami, it was so electrifying. And I kept saying, what's the difference? We're playing USC or somebody else because all those kids were from Florida and they played against each other in high school or they were high school teammates and they just played at a whole different level. It, the games were unbelievable. So I just don't want Florida State to get too far away from recruiting Florida kids. They can squeeze kids down, make them commit because they are like a Rutgers. They need to get kids. They need to get some, some, um, street cred with these kids and come back to Florida State and, and elevate their game because they have been losing. But I don't want them to get too too far away from recruiting Florida kids because that's what makes the state of Florida and those three schools so electrifying is when they play each other. I mean, first off, Manny and Miami beat Florida State handily last year. So Manny could, listen, it's off season. He could say whatever he wants. Yeah. But let's be realistic. Manny knows the potential of Florida State. And, and you know what? He, he understands that recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. And 
I don't think it was that big of a shot. It's yeah. The fans are going to say whatever they're going to say, but at the end of the day, he understands the potential of what any coach at Florida, forget Mike Norvell, any coach at Florida state should have success. They have all the resources to do well. And these guys took advantage of this year. You, we joked about it. I think Florida state used their entire recruiting budget up in June and July. Uh, (laughs) I'm telling you, they brought literally every kid on campus. They could. And and that's, they had to do that. They won three games last year. So that, yeah, they had to manufacture some uh, positivity. And the only way they were going to do that is in the off season, you're not playing games. So what do you got to do? You got to, you got to use tricks and you got to use, you know, they, they got a fancy, you know, Mike Norvell brought this slingshot in and let kids sit in it. And it was a fancy car and this and that. And you know what? It worked. You know, we could all sit there and say, oh, it's silly, this and that. It worked. You cannot argue with the success they've had this spring. It's worked. So, you know, what's funny is, you know, people laughed about Manny with the turnover chain. Oh, it's silly. The next thing you know, you turn on TV and everybody had their version of the turnover chain. So as stupid as people thought it was, it works. These kids like it. And that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter what me, I like, or Demo likes, or you, Corey. It's what these kids like. That's your audience. And if the if your audience likes all that silly stuff, then you know what? You're going to go and do a tenfold just to lay on those kids. That's part of the whole recruiting thing is to get these kids. It's all basically a show so you can lay on these kids. And you know what? You can't argue with the success. They've had a great month, and now – they got, you know, as well as I do, now they got to go out and win ball games. And if they don't win, it's not going to matter what they did in June. We all know that. Yeah. Now I'm going to go back to something coach said, and I want to get, I want to get both of your thoughts on this. And this is Florida state has 14 commitments. Um, they have four that are actual kids from Florida. That would be a uh, Sam McCall, Omar Graham, uh, Aaron Hester and, uh, uh, Mortimer, uh, Vaughn Mortimer. And, uh, Alu Ball, Alu Ba is from Virginia. He goes to IMG Academy in Bradenton. AJ Duff is from California. He goes to IMG Academy in Bradenton. Uh, Bishop Bishop Thomas uh, is from New Orleans, and he's going to go to he's going to go to Orlando Bishop more this year. But he's from New Orleans. That's a that's a David Johnson connection there at St. Augustine High School in New Orleans. Does does this staff at Florida State do they have a Florida problem? That's that's ten of their 14 commitments are from out of state. And, you know, this is as good a year as any years for Florida. I mean, Florida's, you know, some years they're loaded, some years they're not as loaded and still have a lot of numbers. But this is a loaded year for Florida. And I'm, is there still like a comfort level issue here? Do they have a real Florida problem? And they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to go kind of outside of that region to, you know, would stay within the region, but kind of go to neighboring states to kind of, you know, camouflage a problem a little bit. What do you guys think? Human nature, you're going to go where your comfort zone is. That's just human nature. Not I, Now, I have a comfort zone everywhere. Demo has a comfort I mean, you could throw us anywhere in the country, and you know what? We're going to try to get along with the people in that area or whether we had to recruit a kid. Some guys just don't feel comfortable recruiting the state, and it's going to take time, or they're going to have to find guys that are comfortable But right now you go look where they landed kids is where they're comfortable landing them. The the proof is going to be in the pudding on signing day. All right. There are top end Florida kids, Marvin Jones, Jr. Najalette Kelly. um, There's uh, Wesley Bassant from Miami central. They have to, I'm not saying they have to land all of them, but I think 
of the group of Florida kids, they got to pull in 50% of those kids. I'm not saying they have to go five for five or six for six. We've talked about this. This is why Demos had success. He comes down to South Florida, and if he goes one for five, he's okay with that because that one five, that one guy out of the five is a difference maker. Marvin Jones Jr. is a difference maker. I don't care who they recruit out of state. They are not going to get better. His dad played at Florida State. His dad's locker is enclosed and, and enshrined at the school. That kid is the most important player left on their board. They have to land him. I, I am not – they have to land him. There is no excuse. I don't care if the freaking Dallas Cowboys are, are drafting him next year and they're going head-to-head with Florida State. Florida State better get him on their football team, period, end of story. Now there's other guys they have to go out and get as well. And we've talked about it, whether it's Julian Armella, whether it's uh, Nigella Kelly, there's other guys that they're recruiting. you got to get Florida kids in that locker room. And Demo talked about it, the rivalries between Florida State and Florida. I remember uh, one of these networks or somebody spoke to Chris Ricks uh, a couple, like about a year ago. And one of the things he said was, I grew up and all I heard was Florida State this, Florida State that, but I grew up in Southern California. So all I knew was I knew UCLA and USC. I knew that was a rivalry, but he didn't understand or grasp the rivalry of Florida State Miami or Florida State Florida until he was out of school and the Florida kids understand that rivalry. They're going to die on that field. And that's why you have to recruit those kids because at the end of the day, those guys are going to be the ones that win you uh, state championships. You're going to beat Miami and Florida. If you win that series, that gets you into the ACC title. And then once that happens, you have a shot at a national championship. If you don't do that, we're basically talking. It doesn't matter what else you do. That's what matters. Chris, you're 100% correct, because back when I was at Florida State, it was a different week when we played Florida, a different week when we played Miami. Just the air, it was different. And then if you beat a Florida, you beat a Miami, you were on your way to win the state championship, because we used to call it, you got to win the state championship. You got to be Florida, Miami, win the state championship, because the road to the national championship usually back then went through those three schools. So if you beat the state championship, not only were you on your way to the national championship, but you had a head up recruiting in the state because you beat those other schools. But you're exactly right, Fish. When you played in the Florida, Florida State of Miami games, it was special, man. It was like electrifying, like I'd never been experienced anything before in my life because those kids, like you said, Fish, they want that reputation of I beat Florida, I beat Miami, or I beat Florida State on their resume. And those kids will lay it out for you. So I like what Florida State did. They, they, they attacked the neighboring states, which is great, but please don't get too far away from, from Florida because that's where it's all at. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think it's something. It's definitely something that needs to be looked at because, you know, they didn't have much of a class in 2021, and that was mostly out of state, and that made sense with the pandemic and everything. You just did – they couldn't get out to the schools. They couldn't they – couldn't, they didn't have a chance to talk to all the coaches. I – I felt like, and you know, it's something that I've been looking at. I felt like, you know, as, there, as, this, as this group was going on, I'm like, you know, they're bringing a lot of Georgia, which I, I love Georgia kids. And I love the Gulf Coast kids. I think they're all tough. I think they're tough as hell. And I think that they can definitely play football. I mean, you know, Alabama recruits Alabama. So obviously they can play football, you know, <laughs> these school, you know, but I think the one, the one positive sign is I'm seeing less Tennessee. 
I'm seeing less pencil, you know, I'm seeing less Ohio. I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing less Arkansas and states that I just don't think they're going to get the quality out of. So I think if you can stick it, if you can stick it to the Gulf Coast and Georgia, maybe even hit South Carolina, I think those are fine states you can get players out of. Uh, you know, Texas is hit or miss, as we always know. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see a little bit more in Florida, but I, I understand. I feel like, you know, they have to take that jump, at least in the next class. They have to start taking that jump and becoming a program that goes back to recruiting Florida and having a footprint everywhere in the state. The one thing that when Jimbo Fisher took over the helm, he came in in 07, when he took over the helm in 10, the one thing I noticed was that he was getting commits from kids that don't normally go to Florida State, whether it's like Willie Halstead is at Titusville. Titusville has always been a Gators place. And, you know, and, and getting kids like, you know, Jeff Luck out of Fort Pierce, not uh, Jeff Luck was, that, that wasn't necessarily a Florida State safe haven, you know. Calvin, uh, Benj Calvin Benjamin came from Glade Central. Yeah, know? they hadn't gotten players from Glade Central. He didn't, he didn't care where, if the kid was elite, he didn't care where that kid may have favored. 10, six years earlier. I mean, James Wilder was supposed to go to uh, Florida. Timmy Jernigan was supposed to go to Florida. He understood one thing. If I don't land these kids, we're not playing for a national title, period, end of story. And you have to land the elite kids in the state of Florida to win. If you don't believe it, just look on Patrick Sertain. Um, you know, uh, you've got uh, Calvin Ridley. You have uh, Jerry Judy. All of these guys that are going to all these other schools that they're winning with a lot of them are Florida kids and they're the elite level Florida kids. There's, there's a lot of kids in Florida that could play division one football. If you get the elite kids, the number one player at each position, and you can lock those guys down, you're going to win a lot of ball games and be in the conversation uh, for that national championship trophy guaranteed. It's, it's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah. The other, the other thing real quick is you have to know the kid. Like you have to know what makes the kid tick. You might not need to get that five-star kid from Florida. Okay. You might be able to get a three-star kid, but when you get him, he's going to play like a five-star because something's making him tick. Something's making him upset that he's not a five-star. So you need your share of those big time players. There's no doubt about it, but you can get those other ones that think they are and play like they are. Then that's when you got your team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's really no state where I see players that, that, that do that the way you describe that Dean, that do that like Florida kids that can really come out. And, you know, they, they play with that chip on their shoulders. Like, I was a three-star. Oh, I'm better than that. And they go into your, they go into your program, and they want, to, they want to show up everybody. I mean, they want, to, they want to get your starting spot right away. They want to challenge for everything right away because they believe they've been disrespected. So, you know, and we'll see how these things work out for Florida State. I do think that they took very some quality football players that, that I think will be – major contributors to their program over the time. But I'm definitely curious to see how the rest of this class shakes out. No yeah, doubt. And, and then you have to make sure <laughs> that these guys hold on to their commits because yeah. I, I'm telling you, there's going to be people that get a little cold feet and they jump ship. You're like, ah, no, because the longer out they commit, the longer you have to stay with them all the way through until signing day. Yeah. And yeah, we're talking about Travion Williams. We know how those Mississippi kids roll. You know, they, yep. they don't, they don't, they, 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 you know, they start out somewhere, end up at Ole Miss, just like, you know, end up at Mississippi State. So, yeah, we're talking about Travion Williams. Absolutely. So, 
But we're talking. I think we're done talking for this one. And it was a great podcast again. Love talking about this recruiting game with you guys. Two of the best in the business when it comes to evaluating the talent. Charles Fishbein, Christopher Demaris. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at The Fish Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Please give, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Anything else you guys want to say as we close? No, man. I'm just I'm looking for the football season. It's wide open. People are already talking about their stadium being full capacity. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I was. You know, I cover. I also cover the NHL on the side, and I was at a full capacity game last night. Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and the Montreal Canadiens, and where they have a sitting is in in the auxiliary section in three thirteen. So we are right in the middle of the crowd, and I tell you. You don't have to, you know, the place was going nuts all night. It was, it was a lot of fun. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired. That was a 15-hour day yesterday. So, Man, for a city that never won jack crap 10 years ago, are you getting tired? Right now. You talk about a recruiting hot streak. Oh, you know, my God. They're, 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 they're the Alabama of pro sports right now. Oh, my God. I mean, damn, even the hockey team's winning championships. <laughs> Yeah, okay. we got beautiful hockey weather. I'm surprised they're, I'm surprised they're able to even keep that thing freaking in place right now. That rink, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, we have like I said, we have beautiful hockey weather. I think it's 97 degrees outside here, <laughs> but I tell you, it feels nice inside. It feels like there's solid 51 inside. I feel like I wear. I always, I always feel like a moron bringing a you know a big jacket and I'm walking. You know, I got to walk about four blocks from a parking to the stadium. I'm bringing this big black leather jacket and it's. Oh, uh, I'm sure you have your chinchilla coat. All right. Yeah, the jacket's melting <laughs> on my shoulder as I bring it out. I tell you. Uh, uh, Corey looks like Frank Lucas, man, walking into the stadium <laughs> <laughs> with oh, his chinchilla oh. outfit. I appreciate you. And once again, you've been listening to the Fish Podcast. Thank you all and good night. Take it easy. Hey, Tom. Good night. Good night.